0: Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. welcome from wherever you are this is the demon inside with your host john venom if you want to review a different episode of the demon inside you can find them on spotify or anchor and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast a new episode will come out every monday and now to our show we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors Welcome back to The Demon Inside. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Venom. And before I do this show, I would like to thank Lost Dreamer, who sent me a message. He actually noticed uh, two girls that killed their mothers, and it was kind of similarities that he thought, or she thought. I don't know who Lost Dreamer is. But my Demon Insider, Lost Dreamer, thought that uh, they were similar enough for me to do a show so I will be doing that show in a couple of weeks it's gonna be uh, Isabel Guzman and sang uh me sang so thank you lost dreamer for that recommendation Danny Rawlings was born in Louisiana And he was born to a family that pretty much didn't want him. His father hated him. His father wished he was never born. And his father was a police officer. So that kind of started off his whole journey. So when Danny... Uh, was 15. His dad threw him out of the house. Danny started t- doing whatever it took to survive out in the uh, out in the world without any type of school. He started stealing. He started, you know, committing crimes, things like that. And he so was out of prison for a Williams while. was living in Shreveport, and he had friends that he would tell all the time that. He wanted to stab people. That he liked to stab people. And this concerned some of the friends. And uh, the last thing that they had talked about was... He wanted to go somewhere where the women were pretty. So, Denny left to Gainesville when he was 36. On the day that he got there, he went to the store, bought himself a tent bought himself some other items, and stole items uh, so that he could use for the murders. And he pitched his tent out in the woods near the campus. He followed two freshman roommates, Sonia Larson, 18, and Christina Powell, 17, to their off-campus apartments. He raped Miss Powell repeatedly, stabbed both women with a hunting knife, and mutilated their bodies. The police discovered them on August 26th after Miss Powell's parents reported that their daughter was not answering the door or phone. Later that night, the police found Chris, Krista Hoyt, 18, dead in an off-campus duplex. Mr. Rawlings had raped and stabbed her. Left went to his campsite, realized that he had lost his wallet, went back to Krista Hoyt's apartment, or back to Krista Hoyt's duplex, and started looking for his wallet, which he couldn't find. So when he realized that the body had started to set, rigor mortis started to set in, he decided he was going to sit the body of Krista Hoyt upright on the bed. And then he cut off her head and put it on top of the shelf facing her body. The next day, Tracy Pauls and Manuel Tobato, both 23, were discovered stabbed to death in their apartment. Not far from where the other killings took place. When Danny Rawlings attacked Manny, he's a former high school football player, big guy. As he slept, he stabbed Manny once. Manny woke up and actually started fighting with Danny Rawlings. the only problem was was that Danny Rollins was too much for him Tracy Pauls was trying to get away and she ended up running into the uh, bathroom where Danny went broke down the door he turned her over raped her and then killed her stabbed her we'll be right back after a few words from our sponsors welcome back to the demon inside so after this Danny Rawlings left he went to Oxcala where he was robbing a convenience store and actually got caught by the police and they arrested him so while that was happening the police were doing their investigations and trying to find out who the killer was. And they were worried because this killer not only had killed women, but also killed a man and a very large man at that. Uh, Friends and family said they were very surprised that he was able to subdue Manny because Manny was a pretty big guy. And, um, so, during that time frame, uh, when they found Krista Hoyt's body, they there was a bank that was robbed, and during the robbery, one of the cashiers put in a dye pack into the money. So when this person left, of course, the dye pack blew up. So. The police were out looking around for the killer at night, seeing if they could find anybody. Well, they see two men walking around in the middle of the night, probably two, three in the morning, and both of them run into the woods when they see the police officers. So the police take chase, of course, and they can't find them in the woods. They actually call for a canine unit. The canine unit comes in, and the canine unit, stumbles across Danny Rawlings' tent, which he wasn't there. He was locked up in Oaxqualla. So when they started going through there, they saw the money with the red dye on it. They also recovered a handgun, a knife, a screwdriver. They found... And they also found a cassette. Now, the cassette's very important, but they thought this was all from... The, um, the bank robbery. So they didn't pay too much attention to it. They put it all in a uh, into evidence. And what ended up happening was they connected the two finally together, but they still didn't know who Danny Rawlings was. Eventually, Danny Rawlings started to confess all his murders. But throughout the years, Rawlings insisted he was not as atrocious as many thought. In the letter to the AP in 2002, Rowling wrote, I assure you, I'm not a salivating ogre. Granted, times past, the dark era of long ago, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde did strike up and down the corridors of insanity. Rowling, who often drew dark and sexual pictures, claimed he had good and bad, multiple personalities. His personalities were Danny himself, who wanted to be the good guy. Then he had Enid, which is Danny spelled backwards, who wanted the exact opposite of what Danny wanted to be. And then, of course, he wanted to be the Gemini Killer. Now, he took from The Exorcist 3, the name, Gemini Killer. So, Danny Rollins wanted to be the best serial killer. He wanted to be a superstar. He wanted to beat Ted Bundy. He wanted to be famous. My thing is, when he started calling himself the Gemini Killer, he, and he took that idea from The Exorcist 3... He was actually taking the persona of a real demon. So on The Exorcist 3, the Gemini Killer was actually Pazuzu. Pazuzu is a real demon that they used in the first movie, which at that time, people don't really realize that by using the real name, you're calling them. And granted... This demon, maybe it wasn't there, maybe it was, but it got into Danny Rollins' psyche. Now, it didn't possess Danny Rollins like any of the other shows that I've done. This was a mutual agreement between a person and a demon. Danny Rollins wanted more control of his life. Danny Rollins wanted power and strength so that he could defeat his father. As a matter of fact, Danny Rollins, the last time he was at their house, uh, actually shot his father in the head, which made his father lose an eye and an ear. So his being that he wanted control, he wanted strength, started coming when he started calling himself the Gemini which Pazuzu is not going to give him his real name because with name comes power. So Danny Rollins became Gemini with Pazuzu who is inside of him manipulating him, telling him this is going to work out. This is going to be our thing. So, going back to the cassette that the police found, they found, when they found the cassette, they actually started to listen to it because they realized that the person that was doing the killings was also the person that was doing the uh, bank robbery. And so, they started listening to the cassette, and here was this guy, Danny Rawlings, on the cassette, singing, and I'm going to play you some of those songs here in a minute, But he was singing a song, and at the end of it, he says something that's very chilling. I'm going to play that for you right now. So after he said that, we all know what he was going to go do. He was going to go and start killing women. He was going to go and start tormenting the lives of all these students. I mean, everybody was affected by it. People were scared to be in school because of Danny Rawlings. People were leaving. People were buying guns, getting defense classes and everything else. It was just a horrible way to live for these kids. So Danny Rawlings, during his conviction, after, because he did get the death penalty for this,
1: Everyone, the jury took about six hours over two days to reach its recommendations.
2: Those recommendations were unanimous and identical. Jurors deciding 12 to nothing that Danny Rowling should die in the electric chair. We'll have reaction from the victim's families and the University of Florida campus in just a moment. But our team coverage begins with the decision and Channel 4's Ari Ari. Tony, even Rowling's lawyers admitted they had
3: virtually no chance to squeeze any sympathy out of this jury for Danny Rowling. They said that Rowling fully expected to one day face a death sentence for the horrific crimes he committed here three and a half years ago. Danny Rowling said he killed five students to send a message to Gainesville. Today, the jury sent a message to Danny Rowling.
4: A majority of the jury, by a vote of 12 to 0, advise and recommend to the court that had imposed the death penalty upon Danny Harold Rowling.
3: Unanimous death recommendations for each of Rowling's murders.
4: Danny Rowling, for whatever reason, and it's far beyond what I'll ever understand, decided to visit horror on these on this town and on these students in ways that it's unimaginable.
3: Rowling terrorized his victims. Sonia Larson, Christina Powell, Krista Hoyt, Manny Tabuada and Tracy Paulus. The jury saw graphic evidence of Rowling's crimes, saw how Rowling planned his murders, saw that Danny Rowling, his victims saw. The prosecutor says defense arguments that Rowling was mentally ill stood no chance when weighed against Rowling's crimes.
4: And there was not enough there in, in, I think, the view of the overwhelming number of people. There was just not enough there to overcome these kinds of crimes. You know, we might have been talking about a a bad home life. Well, this wasn't the Menendez brothers being replayed about some young boy who shoots daddy or mama or whatever. This is a man who'd been away from home 36 years old and killed strangers and killed them in a brutal and terrifying fashion. And I don't think that there was much question uh, which way this case was going to go unless we tripped and fell.
3: Rowling's lawyers said he knew his case was a long shot, especially with a jury he considers to have been unfair. There
4: was an overbearing community pressure on any jurors in this community to return a death recommendation. To say that these individuals personally were not fair, that they didn't try hard, would just be wrong. It's certainly not true at all. But I do feel that they are influenced, as anyone would be, by the fact that this community has pretty uniformly indicated its belief that death with appropriate penalty.
3: Now both sides congratulated each other on a job well done. We're talking about the lawyers in this case. The defense simply had very little to work with, especially after Danny Rowling confessed the details of his crimes to fellow inmates in the Florida State Prison. Tony?
2: Let's talk about the appeal process for a moment, Ari. I know it's an automatic appeal, but if Danny Rowling wanted, could he waive that right of appeal? I don't think he
3: could, and I don't think he will. I think his lawyers are going to take care of that. I can tell you this, that what you heard Rick Parker say at the end of my piece just now about this jury not being fair is one of the grounds they will appeal on, that he wasn't granted that change of venue when he asked for it. And he says that a jury here in this community, in Gainesville, was just way too unfairly prejudiced after three and a half years of publicity, after living through the panic that engulfed this city back in August of 1990. Did Rowling say
2: anything after the recommendation today?
3: He didn't say anything that we could see, and his lawyers said he didn't really say anything to them either. He fully expected this to happen. He does, however, plan on perhaps
2: Tuesday at a sentencing hearing to say something to the judge, make some sort of statement. Okay, Ari, right, thank you very much. Now, even if the judge recommends death, Danny Rowling can appeal the decision for years.
1: But the families of his victims, of course, can't appeal. They're left with a lifetime of painful memories and a loss that they'll never be able to replace. Channel 4's Kerry Sanders joins us now with reaction to today's decision. Kerry, you spent the day uh, with many of the family members. Do they seem to be healing a bit now?
4: Yes, they seem to be clearing another hurdle in a very long process. One of the family members told me that they know it's human nature for people to want to know more about the person, about Danny Rowling, about the person who killed their loved ones. They say they just wish it weren't that way. That it imposed the death penalty upon... As the television camera stayed on Danny Rowling, photographers clicked these photos of the families in the courtroom. It imposed the death penalty upon Danny Harold Rowling. But those closest to the victims say Rowling's death recommendation doesn't give them what they want. It doesn't give back what he stole. We just
3: miss her a lot, and we know that nothing we ever do can bring her back. If they kill Danny Rowling, they lock him up forever. Christy will never come back, and so that's hard. That's why this will never be over. It will never be over for any of us.
5: It was like, now I can start mourning. I can, you know, for Sonia. um, It was very important.
4: The family say when you think of what happened here, they don't want you to think of Danny Rowling. They don't want society to pervert his memory, turning him into some sort of celebrated serial killer. They wrote a statement that what they want everyone to remember is what Rowling took away. We know the last moments of our children's lives. We now know their killer. This is a shallow victory, though. Nothing will bring back Sonia, Christy, Krista. Manny or Tracy. A sentence of death for us simply means that we will not live in fear that this killer will kill again. But for the families, as much as they'd like, this is not a day when everything finally ends. If Danny Rowling is like the 339 others now on death row, he'll sit there for more than nine years waiting for execution. It shouldn't take nine years for him to go to to get the the
5: chair. It it can't take ten years for, for him to go to the chair. I mean... Why can't the chair just be in the courtroom? I mean, the chair could be right there. I mean, this guy did what they brought out of trial was just monstrous, heinous, horrible things that it, it should not be tolerated.
4: Now, some of the family members say that they will now actively lobby some state legislators. Among the things they would like to see lawmakers do is pass a law that when somebody is sentenced, that sentence is carried out swiftly. Jennifer?
1: Okay, and thank you, Carrie. Well, the men and women who decided Rowling's fate certainly won't soon forget what they heard and saw in that courtroom.
4: They're back
2: home with friends and family tonight after several grueling weeks in court. Channel 4's Edwin O'Dell now joins us live with their comments plus student reaction. Edwin?
6: Tony, some of the jurors we spoke to indicated that there may have been some minor holdouts in the beginning, and the jury just had to make sure that they had a unanimous decision on the guilty verdicts. Well, they got that. Some on the outside wondered why it took so long, and one juror we spoke to agreed with that criticism.
2: From all we had been put through the whole week, or the whole three weeks, but almost three weeks, um, you know, everybody was... was, uh, some people wanted to take their time. Some people wanted to just get it over. Um, I was I was one of the ones that wanted to get it over. You know, I was tired. Um, I didn't really want to stay there, uh, you know, stay too long, delivering. Last night I wanted to take a break, as, as I believe almost everybody did. Want to take a break, sleep on it, and come back in the morning and vote.
6: We spoke to one of uh, three men who served with nine women on the jury. He said this was all much, too much, just too much. He wanted to get away from it, hug his wife and kids, and forget about it for a while. So juror, after the jurors left the courtroom, they rushed over to the hotel where they have been sequestered for the night, picked up their luggage, men then went to the sheriff's department to pick up their cars and scattered it to the far reaches of Alachua County. Many of them just didn't want to talk about it. Went to the University of Florida campus where they agreed with the decision but i asked them if they would have been able to come to the same conclusion if they had to serve on the jury they, you saw no room for compassion for this guy
0: mm, no
4: i don't think so i mean because it was just what he did was just too um traumatic too uh violent and i just don't think that he deserves to live after doing that what
6: do You think if you would have handled it being on that jury and making this decision
4: i think it would have been tough uh, to be truly honest, uh, they say it's not fair that the, the trial was held in Gainesville, but if you go to any reasonable person and you tell them uh, the circumstances under the, the murders that he did, I think uh, anybody will feel the same way.
6: Now, Rod Smith, the state attorney, would agree with that student. Uh, One of the criticisms has been that this was not the wrong place to have the trial. Rod Smith says, as a student, say, anywhere you take this trial, it was so heinous, so horrific, that any jury anywhere would have come to the same conclusion. Tony? Edwin, do the students there feel a sense of closure now? Yes, they do, Tony. It's amazing. During this whole trial, a lot of students have come to get to know it, come to get to know the families, and right now they're feeling like their school was harmed by this. They were personally harmed by it, so this brings some closure to it, finally, for them, too.
2: Okay, Edwin O'Dell, Lavin Gainesville, thank you very much. Our extensive coverage of the jury's recommendation will continue in less than an hour.
1: At 7 o'clock tonight, please join us for Student Murders Case Closed. We'll take you back to the scene of those horrible crimes, the guilty plea, the sentencing hearing, plus a look at who Rowling will probably join on Florida's Death Row. That's tonight at 7 o'clock.
0: Now, as I promised, this is Danny Rowling's singing Mystery Writer. He wrote this song and performed it on his cassette.
5: Your pleasure Pass the tender With a big cigar and Give me A whiskey Cause I'm a feeling A little bit Ill And If that ten stars In town Well you tell him
0: Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash The Demon Inside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time, if I don't get possessed. The Demon Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside is on the album Conjure One by Reese Bober. Background music was created by Lucas Key.